Oh, it's good to be with you tonight. Really enjoyed Jay the last few weeks in our series Sink or Swim. Uh, tonight we're kicking off a series called Generosity, uh, or Generous really, and it's not what you think. Uh, we're doing this in this season simply out of, for those of us who are followers of Christ, out of response uh, to, we believe, one of the central characteristics of God. Uh, Advent really speaks of the great generosity of God, of his love towards us, that he gave his first, his best for us, the, at great sacrifice and great cost to him in sending his son, Jesus. And so we wanted to spend the next four weeks and really refocus our hearts around this idea of being generous, of living generous, of having generous lives. Because what we would say is, you are most, and I am most like God when we are generous. When we're generous with our love, when we're generous with our time, when we're generous with our words. And so we're going to take the next few weeks together and really talk about this, unpack this, because I think there's something subtle here, uh, and the reason the title is, It's Not What You Think, because somehow in our culture, I think we've missed the idea of generosity. Uh, And just think about this. Do you find this curious at all, that in the season that purports to be the most generous, charitable, and and just kind, that you see some of the worst of humanity all around you? I mean, just think about that. I I mean, just go to the mall where people are intentionally spending their time to be generous with other people, and yet they're at their worst in the moment of doing it. I went out with my boys yesterday uh, just to run some errands for, uh, for Awakening, and it was crazy. I've never, I don't shop on Saturdays or really ever, uh, but I mean, it was intense. There were so many people out. I mean, people, uh, I'm crossing with my two boys, five, two, the street, and a yell, lady yelling at me. I'm like, I don't know how else to cross the road, but I'm holding their hands, and we just got to get across. Just think about this. Black Friday. One, that's just crazy in and of itself. But Black Friday, people are buying gifts, supposedly for others. But just, did you know this? I'm sure you knew this. There was a shooting over a parking space, Black Friday, to get one, not even to get inside the store. There, there was two people shot over a parking space. In the act of, I guess, being generous or getting the greatest deal, somehow we flipped generosity, haven't we? I mean, just Black Friday in and of itself, just think about this. This is the most spent in our history, $59.1 million spent this last, uh, well, it's two Fridays ago now. I think somehow we got to begin to shift our understanding, especially for those of us who are followers of Christ, about what it means to be generous. Because if he is the God who is generous towards us, and if we are most like him when we are generous towards others, we got to really begin to define and answer what does it mean and what does it look like to be a generous people, a generous church. Because uh, honestly, we all our Christmas stories even, I mean, you think about the Grinch and you think about Scrooge, they're not the heroes until they what? 
Learn to be generous. I mean, I always see it, you know, in the Grinch, and his heart grew three sizes bigger. You know, you see that, that image, and I can see the hearts, like, you know, how it goes out. Now, check this out. Because this is, this is straight from the words of Jesus. Generosity is not contingent on your circumstances, but a condition of the heart. This is how we need to begin to redefine generosity. This is, the, I think, the critical step for you and I to become a people who are generous. Generosity is not contingent on your circumstances, on, on what you have and don't have. A lot of us think about generosity as, you know what, it's an event or it's, I, I'll be generous when I get blank. But Jesus will say in the next few verses that we're going to read that it's literally a condition of the heart. It's a state of who you are. It is something that flows out of you. Not something that you do outside of you. It's not just this event. It's not because you have access, so I'm going to do this. No, he says it's an expression of your heart. It's not this an event. It is a way of life. It is just your heart beating. In fact, it's not just this invitation to like, okay, well, I'm just going to do this here Check this out. If you want to live a life of significance, then you have to have a generous heart. You, you just do. Nobody wanna, wants to look at the end of their life and look back and go, man, I had a whole lot, but it was insignificant. See, and we always put the cart before the horse, don't we? We focus on success and go, when, I, when I'm successful, then I'll be generous. In fact, Jesus will flip and say, no, 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 be generous and I'll actually make you successful. I'm going to redefine success. And Proverbs says it this way, a generous man is profitable. He who refreshes others will he himself be refreshed. See, generosity is not contingent on your circumstances, what you have or don't have. It's not contingent on the special season or being in the right place, but it is simply a condition or expression or an overflowing of what's happening in here. Well, let me read how Jesus said it. Luke 6, 43 through 45 says this. If you've got your Bibles, go ahead and open them up there. It's, if you don't, it's on the screen. But Jesus says this, no good tree bears bad fruit, nor does a bad tree bear good fruit. Each tree is recognized by its own fruit. Uh, this last week, I, we celebrated, my wife and I, our 10-year anniversary being married together. Fantastic. And we got away for five years. Yeah, thank you. Uh, we got away and did, we were redoing our honeymoon. I explained that a little bit last week to some of you. Uh, because our first one was terrible. Uh, and not, it just was. I'll tell the story later. But so we, we, we always planned 10 years we're going to do a redo. And we set aside money for it. And we're like, okay. And so we went to Napa. I've never been to Napa. And I was like, all right, Napa. And it, it was kind of intimidating. I'm not like a real wine guy or anything like that. I'm fascinated by it. But all these hoity-toity people, you know. And I'm like, I, obviously, Lumberjack Sunday. That's, I just don't fit in there. But what was interesting about Napa was almost every plant you went up to or tree you went up to, you could tell what kind of tree it was or plant it was. 
Because it all, I mean, up there, all their trees have fruit on it. We're looking at these trees that are aligned. I'm like, what is that? We walked up to it. Oh, that's an olive tree. You know why? Because there's olives hanging on it. <laughs> Duh. You know, and we went up to this one plant. Oh, that's a lemon tree. And sometimes the lime and lemon are a little hard, but the, one's yellow, one's green. That's good enough. And Jesus is basically saying that. A tree's known by its fruit, what it produces. And then he also goes on to say this. People don't pick figs from, from thorn bushes or grapes from briars. And, and in that day, they had these uh, weeds or bushes that looked a whole lot like fruit-bearing plants from afar. But the closer you got up to them, you realized, no, it's just a thorn bush. No, it's just brambles. Uh, brambles. It, it is just these things that looked like they bear fruit. But when you got up close and examined it, and, and isn't that true that some people and some things look good from afar, but once you actually get up to see it, you're like, no, no. You, you just wouldn't pick figs from a thorn bush. We all know that. And then he makes the application here. The good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart. And the evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. Now, here's, here's the big idea. Four, the overflow of his heart, his mouth speaks. See, if it's true, generosity is not contingent on your circumstances, but a condition of the heart, then you have to ask this question, what is the condition of my heart? How do I know where I'm at, that I'm really generous? Because I think a lot of the people that were part of Black Friday thought they were really generous as they trampled over people to get their good deal. And I think a lot of times we, we misinterpret this idea of generosity, don't we? How do we know the condition of our heart? And Jesus says this, For out of the overflow of your heart, your mouth speaks. I was a, we were driving in Napa, and we were staying at this place that gave free breakfasts. I love that. And, uh, and so we were kind of loading up on breakfast to make sure it held us so we only had to eat one meal out, you know? And so we would eat up and store stuff and bring stuff, and, and they had really good coffee, and I love my coffee. And so one morning as we're leaving out, I, I got a, a to-go cup, and I put it in my coffee cup, and I was right there, and as we're driving up the freeway, uh, I guess you call it a freeway, kind of, you drive fast, it's, yeah. <laughs> and as we're doing that, I had my cup here, and for whatever reason, I have this I don't like sticking it in the uh, coffee cup holder there. I like to hold it. I'm like, oh, yeah. But the problem is I have this gear shifter thingamajig that's right here, right in arm's distance, you know? And, and as we're speeding, not speeding, driving the, you know, whatever the speed limit is. <laughs> Absolutely. I go to take a drink, and my cup catches the edge of that little gear shifter thingamajig, whatever you call that, and it hits, and the top spills completely off. And now, mind you, this is piping hot, beautiful, lush, wonderful, amazing coffee. And it spills all over me to the point where I begin to feel it go down back behind me. And... I, I don't know. I was hoping to convince a whole lot of Napa people that, you know, coffee jeans is the new style. Um, I don't think that worked. But I pulled over immediately and, you know, to the side of the road. Now, here's the thing I never question. 
I never questioned what spilled on me. I knew it was hot coffee. You know why? Because I put hot coffee in my cup. And you're like, go on, Ingram, thank you very much. This is so dumb. Why do you keep talking about this? Well, here's, here's the thing. is Many of us, when we're talking about our words, you're just going to say, your words reveal the condition of your soul. And you're like, no, they don't. And, and you're like, you don't really know me. I, I can talk a good game. I, in fact, I can manipulate people. I can work all this kind of stuff out. And he says, no, 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 from afar, yeah, from afar you can look good. But when you get up close, you can really see the real deal. And you know what? From the overflow, from the overflow of your heart, the mouth speaks. See, here's the diagnostic question. What spills out of your mouth when you're bumped? What comes out when you get disrupted? When someone bumps up against you and you're like, oh, and in the holiday season, I think that's why we see the worst in people is the holiday season is full of bumps, full of interruptions, full of family, full of, I don't know, finances, full of people being chaotic and driving and traffic, of coworkers and bosses, of raw deals. You know, you know what the big, one of the bumps that happened to me earlier today? I, you know what I hate and it really bumps me and I just like, I get messed up with? is when plans change. That's the one, man, boom, and all of a sudden, like, I, I have a trouble breaking out of it. What is it for you? But what spills out of your mouth when you're bummed? Because here's what Jesus is saying. What spills out when you're bumped reveals the condition of your heart. That's why it's such a big deal. He says, what spills out when you're bumped reveals what you're actually full of. You can't fake it in that moment. What's coming out? I think sometimes, we don't like to say it, but when we get bumped, we get angry. The kids don't act the right way, and well, some of, most of you don't have kids. Your mate. Maybe when you're bumped, it's the insecurity, and you just start responding insecurely all around you, and you're trying to control and fix and all these sort of things. And it's just this selfishness that it's got to mine, mine, mine. When you get bumped, you just begin to try to get envy. Or, or maybe, 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 could it be that when we get bumped, we'd be a people who spill grace and peace and love and healing into those moments. See, a generous heart will reveal generous words when it gets bumped. Let me give you, with the remainder of our time, just a picture of what a generous heart looks like when it gets bumped. It's not a full picture. In fact, there's a lot of points under there, but there's two big ideas of what a generous heart understands when it gets bumped. The one is that, and I'll just give you the big ideas right up front. The one is a generous heart understands uh, when silence is bliss, the discipline of not saying anything. And the other big idea is when speaking is powerful. See, but a generous heart, when bumped, understands when silence is bliss. And I went, took time and just went through the Proverbs a couple of weeks ago and just began to underline and write out all the Proverbs that address speaking. Do you know that a majority of the Proverbs talk about your speech? 
a book written on what is the wisest way to live, what is the best way for you to live and go about your life, it addresses a ton on your words and why they're so important and critical. And he says this, a generous heart when bumped understands when silence is blissed. A man of knowledge uses words with restraint. See, sometimes the best response is no response. A man of understanding is even-tempered. Now, what we're not saying is to stuff it, not deal with it. That's not what he's saying here. He's not saying just suffer silently. That is not what's being said. But it's saying use restraint. You use discernment to know, is this a time when silence is bliss? There is a moment when speaking is powerful. But in this moment, silence is bliss. You remember the old adage, maybe your mama taught you, if you have nothing good to say, say, oh, good, you learned it. We don't do it much, do we? Because a lot of times we feel it's our right to communicate everything. And it's, and it's not really dealt with until we say it all. See, a generous heart when bumped understands when silence and bliss. And here's why. Because too often when bumped, people use thoughtless words. Use thoughtless words. Proverbs 20, 20 says, Do you see a man who speaks in haste? There is more hope for a fool than him. See, some people speak and never stop speaking. They're careless and reckless with their words. They say stuff, well, I, I, I didn't really mean it. I just slipped out. And they just talk a mile a minute. And just thoughtless over and over and over again. And some, some of you, just, it's just like, you just can't control it. I remember when I was like my son's age, I was five years old, and, and I had this phenomenon. We were watching this movie and with my parents, and I'm sitting watching it. And I don't know what came over me, but it was like this, this barrage. I couldn't stop the words coming out. And maybe that's where some of you feel like you're at. You just like can't stop talking. It's just like, and you just word vomit over everyone. And every person that you walk past is like, it's true. I remember my, we were watching this movie, and here I'm a five-year-old. I don't know even where I learned this. I'm watching this spy movie, and this guy climbing. And, I, and in my household, this may have been okay in your household. In my household, it wasn't. I grew up a pastor's kid. I'm like, what the hell is he doing? My, my dad's like, what'd you say? And, and, and he gave me another chance. and I couldn't stop it. These words just kept coming out. Maybe that's where you're at when bumped. You just word vomit. And use thoughtless words where a generous heart realizes and understands when silence is bliss. See, when bumps, sometimes what comes out is prideful words, isn't it? Prideful words. Uh, Proverbs 27.2 says, Let another praise you and not your own mouth, someone else and not your own lips. See, you know you have prideful words if you feel entitled to. You owe me. Those type of words. It, maybe it's an elitism. I'm better than you. And it's these thoughts that say, well, they're not. And begin to process this. If you use I words a lot, well, I, 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 you probably are bumped when bumped are spilling out prideful words. Maybe when you think your way is always the right way. Probably prideful words. Constantly critical of others. See, there's a difference in critiquing and for the betterment, but when you're critical, it tears down, doesn't it? And that is, a, those two are so close, you've got to really be on guard. But when you're constantly critical of others, it's probably prideful words when bumped. 
or maybe just speaking highly of yourself. Some of you do that. You're like, yeah, I got, it's like the old Napoleon Dynamite movie. I don't even know if you remember that movie. He's like, yeah, I got skills. It's like, seriously? He says, let another praise you. I remember my Uncle Mike. I just visited him in West Virginia. I haven't seen him in probably 20 years. Uh, and my Uncle Mike had every reason to have a, a sense of pride. He worked in the factory and the mill his, his whole career, and they forced him out on an early retirement, and then the mill went bankrupt, and so his pension was gone like that. Overnight, his retirement and his future was gone. In his late 50s, he's bagging groceries, driving trucks. And what I saw was not a man who blamed anyone. There was not one word of blame or they owed me. He said, you know, Ryan, I just had to do what I had to do. And, you know, I worked hard here and did this. And, you know, we just made ends meet. He was a generous heart. Because when bumped with circumstances of life that seemed unfair, you're like, you know, and from, from our perspective, we're like, you got a raw deal. And he said, yeah. But how you respond, what comes out, reveals whether you're generous or not. Maybe when you're bumped, it's gossip words. Hate to say it, ladies. This one may be more for you. Don't worry, guys. We, we got all of these, so... Gossip words, without wood, a fire goes out. Without gossip, a quarrel dies down. Maybe when you get bumped, you find yourself talking about everybody else. Because when you're bumped, you feel insecure, and so you got to know all the stuff. you got to know all the juice, and you, you go after people, and you, you're wanting to know everybody else's business, and you have this addiction to hearing and knowing, and it makes you feel powerful, and it makes you feel in control, and you're just like, you don't even know why, but you just got to know. And see, a generous heart understands when bumped, sometimes silence. It's bliss. Maybe it's lying words. A lying tongue hates those it hurts, and a flattering mouth works ruin. I remember in high school, I just had, uh, I was just a habitual liar. I don't know why. I just lied about everything and things that didn't even matter. But What's interesting is it begins to change the older we get, doesn't it? It becomes more sophisticated. You enter the business world, and it just becomes the way you do business. You enter a relationship, and you go, well, it's just, you know, I'm, it's for their best. You begin to make excuses about the lies that you're telling. You go, well, it's not really a lie. It's just not telling the whole truth. And, you know, there's a gentleman in our church that is, has a tremendously generous heart. And at work, they asked him to do some dishonest things, and not, nothing like too big, but it just, it, it was stuff that he's like, I, I can't do that, I can't sign off this, because he understood his words were expression of his heart, and so he literally quit his job and took another job for less pay. He said, I'm not going to go. Yeah, see, that's conviction. That is a generous heart. See, a generous heart, when bumped, realizes that there are times when listening is better than words. Listening is better 
than words. Proverbs 15, 21, he who listens to a life-giving rebuke will be at home among the wise. See, silence is sometimes bliss because you realize the time and the moment, the discipline of it is that I need to listen. God gave you two ears, one mouth. Use them. No, serious, you use them. Develop the skill of question asking and the art of listening. Develop the skill of question asking. And you know how I do this? It's real simple, because I'm not really good at questions. My wife is a great question asker. I mean, she can ask billions of questions over and over. And so I, but anytime I hear a great question, I write it down. At the back of my journal, and I journal, I, I, it's not a diary, it's a journal, by the way. Uh, just got to clarify that. I just have great questions. I have, I have a place for great questions. I just write it down. Because I want to learn and develop the skill of asking great questions. And sometimes people are going to say stuff to you, and what you'll want to do is just have this quick response. You notice what the text said? He who listens to a life-giving rebuke. It's not every rebuke, but some rebukes from your closest friends and from your confidants and from people around you are actually life-giving for your benefit. And if you just respond quickly and turn those away, you'll miss out. And then develop the art of listening. Understand that listening is a full-body sport. See, you can't have questions or your response working in your mind. Listening is understanding from their perspective what they're saying. And so you, it takes time, it takes process, it takes eye contact, it takes body language. 90% of what you communicate is unspoken. By the way, guys, dating girls, that's really a key point, by the way. Write that down. Oh, okay, eye contact, body language. That'll take you a long way. I'm just telling you. Because most guys are like, yeah, okay, the game's on, okay. It just is. A generous heart, when bumped, understands there's times when silence is bliss. But on the flip side, they understand when bumped, when speaking is powerful. There's moments when you realize there is time to speak, but it's not going to be in haste, it's not going to be thoughtless, it's going to be purposeful. When speaking is powerful. Notice what Proverbs says. Uh, Pleasant words are a honeycomb, sweet to the soul and healing to the bones. I I love this, that your words can actually bring healing. The tongue, Proverbs 18, 21 says, has the power of life and death. And those who love it will eat of its fruit. You know, you remember that old nursery rhyme that we say, you know, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never... Okay, a few of you heard it good. Um, hurt me. That's a lie! You know it's a lie. It, it, it's just a lie from the pit of hell, probably. I don't know where it comes from, but I, that's a pretty good place. My kids, my kids were, I don't know where they learned this, but the other day, they're like, they're saying it over and over. Sticks and stones will never break my bones, but words will never hurt me, or whatever, however it goes, I don't know. I literally stopped them. I'm not sure what kind of dad I am, but I literally stopped them and said, don't you ever say that again, as if they were like cussing or something. 
And, and I just told him, I said, it's not true. I don't want you saying and repeating stuff that's not true because if you begin to believe that words are powerful and what you say matters. And so say it purposely and don't say it thoughtlessly. Words are powerful. They hold the word of life or death. And we've experienced it with a discouraging word from someone has really sank you to the deepest moments, hasn't it? And, and just the right word can pull you out. That right word, for some of you, set the destiny of your life in the direction of your soul. See, a generous heart, when bumped, not only understands when silence is bliss, but when speaking is powerful. Let me give you a few areas when it's powerful. A generous heart understands the moment for a loving rebuke. When bumped understands, there's a moment for a loving rebuke. Not any kind of rebuke, not just a thoughtless, not just a, a loving rebuke. We don't do this well today, do we? We just don't want to deal with issues anymore. We don't want to actually dive into the chaos of someone else's life. We're really, it's out of our own. We don't really want to deal with it, and it's a lot harder for us. If we say nothing, it's better, and whatever. Notice, what Proverbs says, better is an open rebuke than hidden love. Proverbs 28, 23 says, he rebukes a man will in the end gain more favor than he who has a flattering tongue. I got a friend, uh, and we'll call her Virginia, because that's her name. <laughs> and uh, she used to serve with us at Awakening uh, and, and lead small groups for us and got a phone call last week and my wife and I were driving in a little kind of mountainy area and we couldn't get reception so we pulled over to the side of the road uh, where we had some. And what I love about Virginia is, is she had a commitment to a deep and close personal friend that she longed for the best and saw that they weren't making the wisest choice. And as a result, she spoke into that moment but didn't know what else to do. And she's calling for advice. I w and she's just broken up about the course of her friend. She had the courage to talk to her friend and possibly lose one of her closest friends because she said it's more painful to do that than to watch them take off the cliff with this relationship over here. Would you have the courage to realize that when you speak, it's powerful, and we begin to become a community that we rebuke lovingly one another, where we actually say things, and we go, you know what, bro, this is going to be painful, but I love you, and this is why I'm saying this, because I love you, that we'd have deep enough relationships with one another that we wouldn't stay on the surface and go, yeah, I wish you well, say, nah, that seems really unwise. See, a generous heart, when bumps, understands when there's a moment when you just need to have a loving rebuke. And we've lost this. And as a result, we live shallow lives. You don't grow because someone else or wouldn't speak into your life. And I don't grow because you won't speak into my life. As part of the process, as iron sharpens iron, so one man or woman sharpens another. That is the process of growth here where you have the courage to lovingly say no. Second is a specific encouragement. A specific encouragement. Don't underestimate the value of a word of encouragement, the power of a word of encouragement. Proverbs 25, 11 says, A word aptly spoken is like apples of gold and settings of silver. It has great value. It is priceless. 
A specific encouragement where, where you say and bring life into someone else's life, where you say, wow. Because if we're all rebuke, you're like, okay. But at the same time, you go, you know what? Look, you did this well. When you stepped up and did this, wow. And here's what I'd say, because most of you are, I think many of you are in a house church. If you're in a house church, encourage your leaders. Do you know the courage and the, the amount of just sheer audacity it takes to stand up and begin to lead? And then as you begin to lead, you have plenty of critics. We have tons of critics when you're a leader. And you'd say, I'm going to come alongside my house church leadership. And I just want to give them a word of encouragement. See, I've had moments... And what's interesting is I've had moments where I've had just a serious word of discouragement. And I'd sit in my office and go, well, I don't have one anymore, so sit at Pete's. (laughs) Oh, man, I I just don't feel like doing this anymore. See, ministry is easy if there is no people. (laughs) It's true. Ministry gets messy when we start dealing in the life of everyone else, right? And we begin to really know one another. And I had moments where I just went like, oh God, I just don't want to do this anymore. What's amazing is the timing of God and the specific encouragement of someone in my life. I've gotten a letter from Ireland of someone writing a word of encouragement at exactly the right point when I needed it and I just wept. Don't underestimate the value of a word of encouragement where you realize your words are powerful to life or to death. And a wise heart, a generous heart, understands when bumped that speaking is powerful and sometimes it is a specific word of encouragement. And then, a gentle response. A gentle response. Proverbs 15.1 says, A gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. See, see, when you're bumped and, and you're about to spill out, sometimes for some of us, that, that is like the, the ding-ding bell on, a, uh, on like a boxing match. You know, something happens, and for, maybe it's just for us guys. Maybe the girls don't do that. I don't know. But if we, we get bumped or someone's rude. Uh, all of a sudden, it's like ding-ding, like, let's go. <clears throat> Let's go, you know, come on. I, I got this. It, and, and literally that happened to me a, a couple years back. We're taking our kids to go see the Karate Kid. Yeah, you know, the, the, the movie, um, the new one that wasn't as good as the first one. That one. Uh, <laughs> and anyways, we were going to see that. I had my kids. My dad was coming, my, was coming late, and so I had the ticket, and I had to go out to get him. But something, my son was like sitting, and I guess he was kind of kicking the seat in front of him. I don't know. He's like three or four at the time. And, and literally, this guy turns around. He's like, hey, stop it. And like, he gets all like crazy on us. And, and there's something about, you know, us guys, that bell, ding, ding, you know, like, all right, dude, let's do this. You know, <laughs> we, can, we can do this. And we're watching Karate Kid. Whoa, you know, like, I, I, we can do this. And, and then there's just like this paternal protection side of me where it's like, okay, let's go. You know, you don't mess with my kids. You don't, you don't talk to my kid that way. And, and I, was, I was like, okay, I'm just, I, can't, I can't respond right now because my wife's sitting next to me and she would look at me funny. So I got to hold off. Sometimes she's the best Holy Spirit I got. Because um, I'm like, oh, yeah, thank you. And, and 
I go, okay, I got to go get my dad, and I don't want to leave my kids with this crazy man. And I, I was actually kind of scared because I didn't know what he was going to do while he's gone. And, and I go out and get my dad, and then just this verse came to mind. A gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. Gentle answer. I, I, don't you love the Proverbs? They're just pocketable truths. They just, you just carry them with you, and they speak into the moments of life. A gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. I was like, okay, I'm going to practice that right now. And I just leaned over to him, and I just said, hey, man, sir, I just want to apologize for, for my son and all this kind of stuff. I don't remember all that I said, but it's, it was in a low, soothing voice like that. <laughs> and, and he literally gets up and thanks me and does this. And, be, <laughs> and like, I'm not exactly sure what that means, sensei, but, uh, but maybe I couldn't have taken you. Maybe you were a little bit shorter than me, but maybe I couldn't have taken you. When speaking is powerful, you realize that, that it's not the harsh word, that the gentle word could be the most powerful word you speak. And lastly, and I think if the first one is missing in the church today, I believe this is missing as well. A just fight. A just fight. Man, I, I gotta be honest, we got wimpy Christians out there. And we do not have a wimpy Savior. We got wimpy Christians that won't stand up for anything with no backbone because they're like, yeah, well, I don't really want to get in the mix. Jesus got in the mix. When Jesus saw injustice, he dealt with it. He spoke into the lives and for the poor. He said, I came to release the captives. When he saw injustice in the temple, he braided a whip, threw over tables, and cracked it. Went gone, come on. Notice what Proverbs says. Speak up for those who cannot speak for themselves, for the rights of all who are destitute. Speak up and judge fairly. Defend the rights of the poor and the needy. Speak up. Speak up, church. There is a moment in time you've got to really be clear on a just fight. Remember growing up, my dad sent me down telling me when a time was it, it was okay to fight because he knew I had a bit of a hot mouth and I was going to get into a lot of trouble anyways. He wanted me to know when it was okay to fight. And he said, Ryan, you just need to know any time that you have to protect yourself, your family, or you're standing up for someone else, it's okay in my book. It's okay in my book. There is a time when you stand up he says specifically, you want to know a just fight? Think about those who can't speak for themselves. Is there people in your life that you need to stand up for those who can't speak for themselves? You want to be real clear on that? He says, the destitute, the poor, the needy. See, the church should be the most public proclamation of the poor and hurting and saying, hang on, we're going to stand in the gap for them. This is not okay. Sex slavery is not okay where we're actually going to be the voice piece of those who don't. That's what God has called us to do. That is the invitation of those who would follow after Christ, is not to capitulate to the standards and the opinions of those in our society, but to say, you know what, this is not right, and I'm going to stand up. And when bumped, a generous heart understands there's a moment 
when you fight for justice. May we be a people who stand up for those who can't speak up for themselves. A generous heart, when bumped, understands there's the discipline of when silence is bliss. And when your words and your speech is powerful. So how about you? If it's true, generosity is not contingent on your circumstances, but a condition of your heart. And your heart is revealed by your speech when bumped. How about you? What spills out for you when you're bumped? See, it's... What's easy next is to try to say, leave this place and go, I'm going to try harder. You go, okay, 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 okay. I'm going to gossip, gossip, gossip. <laughs> I'm going to stop gossiping. You know what Jesus said? <laughs> you don't have a gossip problem. You don't have a lying problem. Do you know what you have? You have a heart problem. He said the core issue is dills in here. You, you know how I knew that there was coffee in this cup? Because I filled it with coffee when I spilled it. I knew it because I put it in there. And he's saying, you're filling your heart with stuff. See, the next step isn't to try harder on these things. I'm going to stop gossiping. The next step is to simply say and confess to God, I have a heart problem. I don't have a gossip problem. I don't have a lying problem. I don't have an anger problem. I don't have a lust problem. I fundamentally have a heart problem right here. It's filled with stuff I don't want it to be filled with. And the moment you need to make and take right now is one of whether you will choose to surrender your heart to God. Go, God, I have a heart problem. Will you change my heart. That's a specialty, by the way. Where you say, God, I, I keep trying to change the exterior, but I realize what I'm full of just keeps spilling out. I have a heart problem. Come, change me. It's that act of surrender, saying, God, have my heart. Heart. And maybe you've done it before, maybe you've never done it before, and you'd go, God, have my heart. Here it is, because I don't like what's spilling out, and I long, I long to be that type of person, a generous person, a generous heart that reveals generous word, but I have a heart problem. Take my heart. And then on your seat, you have, I think, one of the more powerful spiritual tools. Yeah, three by five card. It is a deeply powerful spiritual tool. It has been in my life because I have a stack of three by five cards. Because if it's true that you're just spilling out whatever you're full of, then what you need to begin to do after you surrender your heart to God and say, I have a heart problem, you come and confess and go, heal my heart, change me. You need to begin to fill your heart with something new. 
And you take a three by five card like this, and I just encourage you, you can even take Luke 6, 44 and 45. Say generous words right at the top. The good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart, and the evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. For out of the overflow of his heart, his mouth speaks. And you begin to put in your heart and your mind and fill your heart with the word of God. I promise you, it will change you. And you've been trying for a long time to change, and you've been addressing behavior modification. The promise of the word of God, it says, if you begin to meditate or fill your heart with my word, I will change you from the inside out. Remember what Romans 12, 2 says, don't be conformed any longer to the power of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Literally, let yourself be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and prove what God's will is, that it's good and pleasing and perfect. Begin to fill your soul and your heart where you would cherish and you would put God's word in your heart. It begins with a surrender. The daily activity is one of refilling and putting something new into your heart so that when you're bumped, you'll be bumped, you'll begin to bump and spill generous words because you, you just become generous. And then finally, it's just a word of encouragement. Don't underestimate incremental change. Don't underestimate incremental changes. So oftentimes we just want to go boom and take a magic pill and everything changes. And God often works in our life and he works in the process. He's taking these little step-by-step process in your life. As you begin to fill your heart and surrender your life to him, he says, I'm going to change you. And it's it's incremental. It's step-by-step-by-step. Don't underestimate the value of incremental change. Let me give you just a moment, and the band's going to come up, just to spend time with God. We've covered a ton, and you can tell I hadn't taught for six weeks. I had to get it all in one message. But uh, what I'm confident of is that the Spirit of God was moving and working inside of your heart, and there is some wrestling for you now. And I'd encourage you, as the band begins to play, just sit with him and go, God, what do you have for me? What is the area that you're calling me to? And I, I would challenge you, if you're not, I've never done it, but especially if you're just feeling that, would you stop as we begin Advent and surrender your heart to him? And just go, God, I have a heart problem. I need you. Let me pray for you, and I just encourage you. Spend time with him. God, thanks for tonight. Thanks for the time to be together. God, I pray for my friends and my family here, my brothers, my sisters. God, we desperately long to live significant lives that overflow with generosity and grace. And we confess that we have collectively a heart problem. Will you heal us? Will you change us? Father, I pray for the person wrestling with you that you would give them the courage to do what's right and the clarity of thought and mind to know what you're asking of them. 
that move beyond just a moment here, but a daily refilling of you. God, we invite you to have your way in us.